now live from the offices of Caldwell Banker in the Denver Tech Center in Colorado. I am Coach Mould, Ryan Mullaney. And I'm Coach Coop, Mark Cooper, former Denver Bronco. We have a special guest today. Yes, we do. I'd like to welcome my brother Mark Mullaney to the park podcast. Mark, welcome, welcome aboard, man. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Good to be with you guys. Hey, I don't know, I don't know if I'm gonna how today's gonna go when I'm covered up in Mullaney's. What do you think, guys? I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a double team and and both defensive linemen, guys. I, I don't I don't know how to handle it's not good. It's not good. Uh, well, how do I handle this? Like that? It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. More like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's normal. That's normal, yeah. right? Yeah, then you can cry and, you know, hey, crap, crap, he's holding me. He's holding me. Anyway, we'll, let's, we'll talk about that You call and do what you used to do and go, run! <laughs> hey, somebody had to make him famous for his scrambling ability. You did right? a favor. I hope he sent you a check. I take full credit for that. Right? Uh, All right, so I want to give a little background with the uh, Mark Cooper, we got about 20 years uh, of uh, NFL experience here. Uh, my brother Mark was 12 and a half years with uh, the Vikings, and uh, he's a starter still in the all-time list of the all-time sack records for the, for the Minnesota Vikings. Played in the Super Bowl. He's not flossing. Are you flossing your ring? Shut up. Yeah, let's let's uh, go oh, flossing. This up. is flossing. <laughs> yeah, right. This is flossing, and that yeah. was Super Bowl eleven against the Raiders. Eleven, okay, eleven in the end, and I was twenty-one against the uh, New York Giants in Pasadena. Yeah, I and went. We, I went to and that we game both ran out of time, right? We both ran out of time. Yes, yeah, so we did. Yeah, we ran out of time. We so both played in the Rose Bowl. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rose Bowl. Interesting, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Was that field like a golf course when you guys played on it? Because when we played on it, it was beautiful. Oh, yeah. Uh, technical difficulties uh, on the defensive is, side of the ball. Five-yard penalty. <laughs> my phone for audio. If we get a ring, I'll take it out of there. Hey, so uh, a couple things that I wanted to mention. You, I don't know if you even knew this, uh, Coop, but uh, Mark Mullaney, not Cooper, uh, was the first player to ever wear a shield in the NFL. You know, you mentioned that the other day, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, go into that story, Mark. Well, we were playing Atlanta, and um, it was a outside run, and um, the offensive tackle was trying to hook me. So the only way he could stop me, Coop, was to, you know, give me a left and, uh, and put, the, put his thumb in my, my right eye. And uh, they call it a blowout fracture of the orbit, but uh, what happened is he pushed my eyeball through the back of my socket and uh, broke and broke it. And I had a uh, um, my retina was caught up in that fracture, and I was fortunate when I came to the bench. Um, Fred Zambrelletti, the trainer, was wiping away the blood, and and I looked at him. His first time I really ever saw fear. In someone's eyes. And oh wow! Yeah. I said, "Are you yeah. gonna Are you gonna stitch me?" And he said, "I can't find the cut, and the blood was just running out my tear duct." But fortunately for uh, for me, there was a world-renowned eye doctor in the stands who saw it up on the the teletron up there, and um, he came down on the field. No kidding! Wow. And uh, they were yelling at Fred Zambrelli to put a patch on and get me back in the game. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah. By that time, the doctor had come down. He said, let me look at his eye. He opened up my eye, and he said, his retina is bleeding. you got to rush him to the hospital. So that's that's it in a nutshell. And then after that, I... Um, so you, pro- you probably played the next week, right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. No. He played the next uh, week yeah. with a detached... Uh, can no. you even see out of that eye? No, actually, I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't play the next week. My first game was in again against the Raiders in L.A. and we were, um, and I was practicing with you know Eric Dickerson, who was a running back, had goggles. Kind of yeah. was the first guy to wear that. Right, right. But every time I hit, it come down and hit my nose, and eventually I broke my nose. So I said uh, I was uh, driving along one day. Long story short, I saw. Uh, a motorcycle helmet, and I asked uh, Ryan, Dennis Ryan, if he could put a piece of plexiglass, to, uh, like a, you know, motorcycle helmet, to right. protect like shield, my eyes, yeah. Yeah. and I wouldn't get a broken nose, and right. and uh, and so he did that, and uh, then when I was out in um, 
L.A. and played with this shield, it was clear. Yeah. And my pupil wouldn't dilate. And the doctor told me, tint your mask, and the headaches would go away, and they did. Wow, that's and that's when everybody that's noticed it. Just think, just think, if you had patented that at the time, you, you, you'd be, we'd be on some island with you. Be, I, I hear you. Yeah, on your, yeah. on your boat parked out front, yeah. we'd be on your island yeah. for all those well, face, all those shields that were made over the years, etc. <laughs> right? Hey, I never the thought. So, I, yeah, I never thought somebody'd want to wear it. I, I looked oh, like yeah. a wide receiver had a little towel hair, and in between plays, they'd be wiping it out. And oh yeah, yeah it'd uh, be sweating so on it. A, yeah. What was the? Who was that? He was a member of the Fat Bastard. Club, the offensive lineman from the St. Louis Cardinals, who was on, who was an announcer. Deerdorf? Um, Deer, yeah, Deerdorf. Deerdorf, yeah, Dan Deerdorf. Dan Deerdorf, yeah. yeah. I played against him um, one time, but he uh, he used to say every time during the game, when Mark was on the field, somebody forgot to tell Mark Mullaney that he's indoors because <laughs> he's got his sunglasses on. So oh, he was with Brent Musburger, so I called for Dan Deerdorf back at CBS. You know, I got so pissed off. I called him, and uh, he didn't call me back. But I left a message on the general line from the sports desk, you know, have that fat bastard give me a call because I can't stand listening to him talk about my brother. And so Musburger calls me, and he calls me back, and he says, hey, you know, I'm sorry, what, what, what's going on with your brother? I go, well. Says, oh, somebody forgot to tell Mark. First of yeah. all, you don't tell the same joke twelve times. Yeah, right? exactly. You know, yeah. and they somebody forgot to tell Mark. They said my brother is Mark, and then I described what he just described about his eye. Yeah, and Musburger is yeah. like, oh my god. And I said he's like he's debilitated out there, and he's playing playing with one eye with one eye. Yeah, and uh, well, and the, the Minnesota Vikings probably didn't want anybody to know that. You know, they, you know how they how they. Injury reports are like they, not reported. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, and then I was uh, legally blind in my right eye, so I was at a disadvantage. You know, just peripherally. So, be but playing out on the left, playing over the left tackle, that probably helped a bunch because that that eye would be to the to the to the field, or or not so much where all the traffic's at, right? Right. I could see to the inside, but when they brought a tight end on this side, oh, it was yeah. all it was all. Wow. Feel from there, so Imagine being the tight end with the guy with the blind eye on your side. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I had to hey, thank Mark. my brother for letting everybody know that before they didn't know that. No. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you gave all the <laughs> no, tight ends were thanking Ryan yeah. Mulaney. We'll be blocking no, down on it. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna crack on the. Uh, we're gonna crack <laughs> Mulaney now from the from the slot because we'll never see his coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Musburger before he was getting spanked by all the women and he got caught. If you remember that one. No, it was the other guy. It wasn't Musburger. I'm sorry. Brett, if you're listening. But anyway, it was that other guy that got caught doing that stuff. I forget his name. But anyway, Musburger actually apologized oh, to Mark. Yeah. You know, on, on the on the on the air for you know, and then Fat Bastard Deerdorf stopped doing it. Yeah. And, and but he's I don't know how that guy got a job. Like, first thing they would ask me if I, let's say I tried out for that job, like I went to an audition or an interview to get that job as an announcer. Yeah. He had a lisp. So he would say stuff like this. Like, you know, oh, like I didn't, you know, I don't think I ever noticed like that. Like, dad used to say, suffer and suck attack. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but anyway. So we're going to, uh, Mark is also, a couple other things that we want to talk about today. Mark is also an ordained minister. Um, is that correct, Mark? Uh, I wouldn't call myself ordained, but I have been studying the, the word for, uh, boy, since uh, 1979 when I uh, first became a Christian with uh, my roommate, Robert Miller. Okay, so we're going to. Touch on that a little bit here, and you'll see mm -hmm. how we're going to touch on it. I, I know I haven't uh, shared with you, but you'll you'll figure it out. But one of the things that Mark does uh, also is he goes to a lot of football camps. He worked with me in the NFL, uh, in military combine camps, and all the uh, yeah. We had a great offensive line, defensive line, line camp, line camp down at uh, at Castle Rock here. 
uh, what, a year ago? Yeah, Mark, I think he's done three of those with his. Yeah, we had the, had the Anderson brothers in who are no longer, I believe. And then. Uh, They're and, still brothers, but barely. Right, barely, right. And, and, and they're great guys. I mean, great, talk about technicians. And, uh, and, and, and Mark and myself and, uh, what, five, six, six, seven other coaches. Yeah, it was a good team. We had, we had probably, 245 kids. In yeah, it was team. amazing. Yeah. We just had Offense different stations. Different stations going the whole time. Those yeah, kids got better. So I got to bring our uh, our sponsor into this, okay? This episode is brought to you by My High Aeration. Here's a shout out for my good friend, uh, Florian McCann. Florian started in business in 1987, 33 years in business. He's, uh, by your estimation that I can find, he's the number one aeration company in Colorado. And uh, Florian's, uh, Florian's one of the better people on the face of the planet, really. I mean, he's a big football fan. Uh, he's got a son who went through our program, went through training and our O-line, D-line stuff, went through the camps that, that we had as well. Yeah. And Flo, is, Flo uh, Jr. is up at uh, Colorado State University. So he's literally, he didn't redshirt, correct? He's a sophomore now. Is he a true sophomore? No, he took a redshirt year. Oh, did he? Okay, so he did suit up for every game because they were ready to put him in if something happened. Right, because never, all because the redshirting thing has totally changed since you and I played. Right, you can literally play in like six games and still get a redshirt, as as I remember. Yeah, might even be more. I'm not exactly sure. Of yeah, back in our day, they used just redshirted you. Yeah, they just changed the redshirt rule two years ago. Yeah, so right across the board. Yeah, so. so you can get a redshirt if you didn't play. If you walk, if you you know, if you started or anything, you had to play. Um. So, talking about Florian, Florian has a business where he obviously pokes holes in people's lawns, right? And those holes in Colorado seem like they're fairly, you know, kind of a who cares type deal. People don't think about it, and they don't do it. And it's a mistake because we live on clay. You know, and my brother Mark lives in Minnesota where they have very, you know, fertile soil. He's on a, a farm in New Richmond, Minnesota. And the soil out there is completely different. So if you moved here from Minnesota, or from California, or from Illinois, where they you know they grow that great corn, you don't have you don't have that clay that turns into hard soil. You got to poke holes in it. You have to aerate it uh, to make sure that it stays alive. In spring is the best. Spring and fall is the best time to do that. Fall's coming up here. Uh, if you want to keep your uh, your grass healthy through the winter, um, it's best to get aerated before the cold winter comes. So if you if you do that, uh, reach out to Flo. Uh, he's uh, he's at 303-778-1000, 303-778-1000. Okay, Flo, I'll say it, Florian, I'll say it two more times. 303-778-1000, 303-778-1000. I should probably put a little jingle together for that. Right? <laughs> or you can go and you can schedule your uh, service on at milehighservices.com. MileHighServices.com is the website you can go to and uh, and set up an appointment. So, anyway, uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to start off in our discussions, if you, if you guys don't mind, Mark, uh, Mark and Mark, uh, in the in the afternoon, Mark and Mark in the morning. <laughs> yeah, Mark and Mark in the morning. That's what it is. So anyway, uh, what do you guys? You guys both played. In the legacy times, the legends time of the game, where um, things were a lot different, the rule changes, the a lot of the rule changes are because of what you guys played through, right? You know the concussion stuff, the CTE stuff. Um, you know, you look at the way that the league is. Uh, I mean, they feel like they need to take their platform and be socially conscious and have a stand on social justice. I'm watching the LA, uh, the LA deal on hard knocks last night and they're all canceling practice and everything. It was very foreign to me and been involved in the NFL a little bit myself, but I want to know what you guys see as the differences, the biggest differences and the stark differences and what, what bothers you and what you think are the positive sides of those, of, of what the you know, gonna, contrast is between the two. I'm gonna, let's let Mark go first because Mark entered the league before I did. What year did you, was your first year? I was a uh, number one draft choice in 1975. Right. To okay. the I was Minnesota Vikings. I came out of high school in '78, so you were you're in the NFL. This is interesting. Mark was drafted in the first round as an offensive tackle 
he was drafted in the you first round that. to be a defensive end. He's one of the one or two, one of two guys I think in the entire NFL that was drafted in the first round to play a different position than he played in college. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. So he was one of you, Coop. So he can't do your. We're the smartest in the world. Well, no, I can. I can. I want to see both of you. That makes me the smartest, toughest guy in the room. You go both ways. Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. but you. So at seventy-five, I mean, like I said, I was still in high school. I graduated high school in seventy-eight. Go to the University of Miami. Come out in eighty-three. You know. So matter of fact, you and I used to work out together. Yeah. Uh, International Athletic Club out there off of Parker Road in 225. That's where we met. You know, he doesn't remember me there being there. I don't, yeah, I don't remember. I just yeah, literally no. don't remember Ryan. Yeah, he, yeah. I was there every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I think you had made a comment that you were you had been in and out of town or you had moved somewhere for a certain period of time. And I think that's when I was, when you and I were at the IAC, actually. Right, right. Yeah, so, but go ahead, start. I mean, at 75. This is what I think it was. So follow me. The things change. Knock, knock. I'm not going there. Knock, knock. Okay, who's it? <laughs> Malls. Malls who? How soon we forget. Yeah. Uh, right. uh, anyway, uh, I'll let you guys take that over. Uh, <laughs> yeah, by the way, we don't, they don't say they go both ways anymore in football. They say that they're on each side of the ball. Yeah. Well, you know, it's politically <laughs> yeah. correct. Ball singular. PC. <laughs> right. PC. Ball singular. <laughs> not on each side of the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's make that clear. Yeah, okay. <laughs> let's, we are right, clear. let's move on. Let's get yeah. out of here. All right, guys. So yeah, the, that's the question. Uh, describe the contrast between now and when 75, yeah, 1975. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Mark? Well, yeah, a lot a lot has changed. I um, I mean, just in uh, the way they did everything. And I had to relearn uh, a position and wondering why would I be uh, drafted to Minnesota to one of the best defensive lines in football coming off their third Super Bowl, just played the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they want me to take Eller, Marshall, and Page's place, and I'm wow. saying, how about wow. this short little fat guy in the middle there, Sutherland, huh? Yeah, no, but, uh, wow. yeah, and I, you know, that, my... That's names right there. Yeah. Just, wow. Yeah, I was uh, in the, you know, all Hall of Famers, all pros, and I just remember uh, my conversation with Bud Grant when I came into the, the league. It lasted about 10 minutes, and I think after my 13-year career, I talked to him a total of 15 minutes, maybe. Was he, was he like <laughs> but, a Landry, or was he like a, like a Bear Bryant kind of guy where the, he had very few words? Yeah, just, very stoic, very few words. Yeah. He basically sat me down, walked me to the Vikings. Our conversation took five minutes, and he asked me one question. He said, so what's the most demanding position to play on a football field? And I never really thought about that. And um, I, you know, came up with a few answers like corner, and he said, corner, uh, you don't like the corner because you got to run. Big guys can't run, and you get tired. And they can run all day. They're like deers. So... You give up? I said, yeah, what is it? And he goes, you're about to play it. He goes, here's what's required of you. You got to come back fast enough to run down the fastest running back in the NFL. You got to come back strong enough to take on a 300-pound offensive lineman like Mark Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> and he told me, you have to uh, be able to rush the passer. It's like a wrestling match. There's nothing that is going to be more physical and demanding than that. He goes, and you're going to have to have the endurance of that cornerback. You're going to have to go uh, sideline and sideline and down the field. And there's no other position on the football field that is more demanding than that one. That's interesting. Wow. And he uh, looked at me and said, if I get in a fight tomorrow, the four guys I'm taking with me is my defensive line. They're the, they're the toughest guys on the team. They run this team. And he goes. But they're not very smart, right? Welcome to, well, welcome to the Vikings. He shook my hand. He said, come in ready to play. You keep doing this. I'll keep you. You do that. You'll be gone. <laughs> there you go. Thanks for coming. Right. Yeah. That's I was the there, there. There was no. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. There was no right. cameras waiting for me at the airport. There was no uh, interviews afterward. And... Yeah. So here's one advantage I have over Mark in this whole thing. He had, was threatened with that, and but never had to go through it. I got to go through it twice. 
bud cutting me. So if you guys yeah. want to know how that feels, just give me a ring. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I thought it was five times, yeah. but not at the Vikings. No, I got cut by the, the Bears. Yeah. And then I got cut by the Chiefs. And then I got cut by the Rams. Got it. Yeah. So no, twice with the Vikings. So from the standpoint of, like, as I remember now, and correct me if I'm wrong, because only because when I was in high school, I was a big Miami Dolphin fan. Hey, right. so was I. Yeah. yeah. So, so the but but they had you had to block, you know, with your their fists yeah. in, right? They couldn't grab yeah, like we can. We could later in the league, right? So no, they had like to block today like that. You guys still had, the head slap was still legal. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a deadly weapon for yeah. a lot of those guys that you just mentioned, and a lot of defensive linemen in general, right? That that head right. slap ear get the ears ringing and and try to knock their head off, right? Oh yeah. So it's almost like being in a boxing match if you've got the reach. Which you know, Ella Page and Marshall definitely had the reach, and I could put my little hand in the palm of their hand. It was massive, and uh, they they had all the uh, tools to 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 do that. Ring that bell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, if you're an offensive lineman, eventually, if you're could reach out and yeah. keep that head slap away until they outlawed it, you were you you could uh, you could compete, but if you were Short little fat guy going against um, guys that look like basketball players. Right, exactly. Here you were, uh, yeah. You were gonna get your bell rung. Yeah, I came when I came came in. I came in, and those guys were there uh, a little bit too. My first year. What, what, what year? Were you, what year did you show up? Seventy-eight. Seventy-eight. Okay, right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Eller. Fortunately, he hated cocaine. He just liked the way it smelled. <laughs> <laughs> they ended up going to the Seattle Seahawks uh, on a trade. They brought in a guy named Frank Niehaus, who was the first person drafted in the NFL out of Notre Dame. He was the Alpha Trophy winner and everything. This was the fattest, sloppiest, slowest, most worthless football player I've ever played with. And he played right next to me. And he was so tired because he couldn't stop smoking weed and drinking and eating himself. He was just in terrible shape. So I just kept supplying all the drugs on the team and all the food. Eventually, I <laughs> figure you get somebody to leave. Just kept yeah. it a little longer, right? Yeah. Anyway, so let's go through uh, a little bit of the contrast of what you're seeing today. Some of the things that, that you look at and you kind of go, geez, what is going on? Here? Well, we, oh. one thing we used to be able to do to you guys, and you, we were with chop lock. Yeah, you know, a guy would stand one guy up, and you'd have him stood up, and then we'd take your legs out, right? Right, and right. then they, and then that turned into, uh, 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 then they, then then it went to the, what inside the tackle box that could only happen, right? Right. Um, and then it kind of is even more outlawed now. One guy can't have contact with the player, um, and if I if, if I have contact with you and you go cut him, then that's that's chop block, right? Right. But if I if I'm if I bounce off of you, go to the next guy, and then you turn your back, I, I, I can now still cut you inside the tackle box, right? Yeah. But uh, even cutting, like we used to run a Green Bay toss, you know, two guards are pulling around the corner, right. you know, we, we dice, slice and dice everybody. You know what I mean? In the backside, we called it a scoop block. You know, we would literally... Um, now they call it pin and pull. Pin and pull, yeah, same scoop thing. block, pin yeah. and pull, same yeah. stuff. Um, you know, we would get, if it's a center, if you're playing at the guard spot, you know, if it was a four-man front, the tackle would try and chop the guy over the guard, right? And luckily, you actually, you're playing on the outside, so you didn't see a lot of that, those kinds of chop blocks where you saw them as you were running across the field. Guys get diced. Huh? A tight end might cut you down. Yeah, yeah, you might get, yeah, tight end throw, yeah. And if they had a, you know, a short pass play, trying to get your hands down, tall as you are and long-armed as you are. You know, trying to cut you at the line of scrimmage just to get your hands down so you could throw the, the, the slant, right, or the, or the right. slot. Right. Yeah, the, the, the rules um, changed a lot since since that time. But, yeah, you had to prepare for that, and that wasn't uh, easy to practice. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's, yeah. And let's go back so that's, to – It was a total mental thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So this, this is – I'm glad we brought this up because – the Broncos have yet to go live to take anybody to the ground. Another week, 
and they have yet to go live. So you know they're not if they're not going live, they're not doing goal line, right? right. Where everybody's rubbing it out, right? They're not trying to put their, their face mask, my face mask under yours and move in the line of scrimmage. Um, they haven't done any of that yet because that entails guys getting on the ground, right? Correct. Yeah. So it, how interesting is that going to be? We're going to start a season with the Broncos and many other teams across the league where no one has touched the, hit the ground yet. Well, let me ask you a question. Did you guys get really sore after your first day of hitting? Oh. Yeah, it was like you'd get it really was sore, miserable. But then it would, yeah. But you would go away. After, yeah, oh, after three, three or four days, or five four days, 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 maybe seven sometimes. Yeah, it would but, go away. And then, yeah, but then you'd compile that with like bruise on top of bruise. Yeah, but what I'm saying, you know what, I mean? what I'm saying is that these guys, that's your body condition. You know, when you go from cold weather to warm, really warm weather, after four or five days, you start getting used to the weather. The altitude in Colorado, your body adjusts. These guys' bodies don't adjust. They don't ever get into hit mode. They never Because they I don't agree. hit enough yeah. to be able to get the condition crazy about it, you know, about that kind of stuff. Mark, what do you think? Well, I I don't know about you, Coop, but I, I never really got into hitting shape till about mid-season. Um, so, I mean, when we were hitting, we were hitting all the time. And like the time you said, you would, you feel it. And then there's bruise on top of bruise or, or something's, something's wrong. I mean, you, I, I I don't believe a guy takes the football field without having something wrong with it. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. You, you go in healthy, yeah, yeah. and then throughout the whole season, you, you're taping this finger to that finger because yeah. you jammed it. You're taping that finger to that finger because you dislocated it. You know, and then you got you know gloves, and you got your hands, and they're taped, and, and all that kind of stuff. And then, and then you got a pad on your bicep where you got yeah. chumped, and then you had a, cat, a, a thigh bruise, so you throw in a little heavy, bigger thigh pad that week and then, you know, to get through, uh-huh. right? And then you can't see out your right eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're always, yeah. always not. You know, you're not ever really playing healthy. But I remember in our camps we would have 120 people there, right? And then we would be in really, we'd have two day practices, and then which was kind of nice later in, in, in my career. And you probably guys didn't even do it until again, like about my age in the 80s. In the '80s, where we'd bring another team over and practice against them, maybe you guys did. We that. never did that. No. You never, see, we did. We brought Houston to come in. Um, we brought a couple different. I forget who the other teams were, but we, which was like we loved it because it was like new, new blood. You know, new bodies to hit, right? Instead of the same dude, the yeah, same they're, guy, they're the same technique, the same. Yeah, yeah, but but not obviously not now. But all I'm saying is it changed so that there was a different flavor. You know, I mean, then there's a different guy to fight, right? Yeah. <laughs> and there's a different guy to get into it with, and uh, different coaches yelling and screaming at each other, and all that kind of stuff that goes with it, which was kind of kind of interesting, right? But they only literally via the CBA, um, the collective bargaining agreement, can be in full pads 13 times um, if it was a regular year and all the preseason games and going up to a season 13 times. We were in it twice a day, and in Tampa, literally three times a day. Oh, yeah. Okay, Tampa was brutal. I don't even well, – so I, I talked to buddies of mine, and I, we all go – we don't even know how we made it through Yeah, Tampa. but how, how many weeks before your first game were you in camp? You know, almost a month, right? Yeah. Um, no, over the uh, 4th of July. I remember – you remember We this. played six preseason right. games. You six. played four, right? We played four. But right. I remember this. 4th of July weekend I was, was like the last party, right? I'd go down to the Keys. I'd be with Gary Dunn, big old Gary Dunn, played yeah. 12 years with Pittsburgh Steelers, and we practice against each other. We do pass rushing, lift together in the keys, right? But at the 4th of July weekend, he and I would look at each other and go, you ready? Yeah. Because you literally, that was like the threshold. You were either ready to play or you were scared because you weren't ready to play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> right. Because right? you knew you were going to camp and stuff. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. So you better have been ready by 4th of July because yeah. like the next week, I think, the next week or two, you know, the rookies came in, then the vets come in, and then you're going, you're going nonstop. Correct. Yeah. Right. So I, I saw something in March in, in practice in camp that uh, I think would have sent a shockwave through the media, through all the players, through the coaches. So we were working on pass rush while the offensive line was working on pass pro. So we're going live against the offensive line. 
and Mark runs is stuck, you know. Um, tackle went first. Mark went around the tackle. He's a defensive end from the left side, as I recall. And he went behind the tackle. And the center, Dennis Woolley, picked him up. And Mark threw a forearm right into his face mask. And both of the screws came out of the face mask. It just popped and broke. And the, his head was stuck in the in the helmet. They couldn't get it off because the face mask was all pushed. Under his chin? Stuck under, under his chin. His chin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was talking to him at dinner that night. And he says, that sounded like a cannon went off in my head when your brother hit me with that forearm. I hate going against him. You know? And nobody did anything. You know, like the equipment guys were going, Yeah, you guys let me go get him another helmet. Right, um, exactly. Who is the who is the that, crazy old man that was the, the equipment manager at the Viking? Oh, Stubby Eason. Stubby. Yeah, Eason. Try to get him another helmet. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know the, the quintessential uh, old school equipment manager. Yeah. Anyway, you by that way that the helmet was uh, when I came in the league just uh, was a suspension helmet just Yo, a little yeah, strap around there. In high school, that's where I wore yeah, yeah. one in my house. Yeah, my old high school helmet, suspension it was, helmet. It today, today, oh, with yeah. a pad and a and then a, like a like a cloth strap around your head. Today it's a lethal weapon. You see those? Oh things yeah, in there? yeah. They're you awesome. take a sledgehammer to your head, you're not going to get a concussion. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, they're, yeah. they're, they've come a long way. Oh, yeah. And I, Which is good, too. Yeah, because when I got to college, so I'm in college, right, in 79, and they had bike. Bike had come out with that air suspension yeah, helmet. Yeah. I wore right. a bike, and that's why I wore bikes all the way yeah. through, because I had a suspension helmet. I was a tight end when I first got to college. Yeah. And, um, and talk about getting a bell <coughs> up. Your bell runs running an out route. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, got a club coming across. Oh, yeah. Club. So we can, but we can summarize that there was equipment's a lot more way better. Equipment, equipment way it's better. way less violent. You got better equipment to yeah. get hit with. Oh yeah, it's way less violent. I always hear how much stronger and faster the NFL players are today. I don't see. I don't buy into that stronger, faster thing. I don't either. I mean, you, you, I, I well, run a yeah. four six seven at a combine, and I'm offensive lineman, right? Weighing two two seventy five, and you ran what? You had to be a four five guy. Well, you know that's an interesting thing. Is one question I I get yeah I get I get asked all the time. They go like this: Oh, wow, man, you couldn't play today. They're bigger, faster, stronger than you are. And I go, you know, I and I ask them. I and and, need to watch your highlight film and watch out. Yeah, but you you know what I ask them? Yeah, I ask them this question. I go like this: So, if a guy's six foot six, he's two hundred fifty-five pounds, two hundred sixty pounds. His fastest time is a four three five, four three five, okay, and he could bench four and a quarter. You're four three. How do you know? I'm talking about me. I'm just asking if a guy could do these. Oh things. yeah, well I know, I know and, how fast you were. And uh, he could bench fast. four and a quarter, squat. Yeah, you're you strong know. as an animal. Yeah. You were, uh, and and I asked these guys, and I mean there'll be like ten of them challenging me. I go, do you think that guy can play today? And they go, hell yeah. And I go. You're looking at it. Yeah. And then I ask them, I said, how many positions on a football field? They go, 11. I said, no, there's 22, and I guarantee you I'll have one. And, I, and, and you know, that's the attitude you had to have. Oh, absolutely. I mean, because yeah. I played defensive yeah. end, four, three, defensive four, tackle. Three, fast. I'm wow. going to tell you this. Well, that was good. Steve Oramus. He was training yeah, us. Yes. And I had yes. the fastest kid in Colorado high school. He challenged me to a race. I said, man, he wanted my... Adidas uniform. I was endorsing Adidas, and I said, "I'd give it to you if you beat me." <laughs> and he was so excited; he was laughing oh, like I you. Love it. He I didn't love even it. think I it would be it. a contest. And yeah. you know, yeah. I I will say this: I was on a tartan track, and yeah. I had on track shoes. He had on track shoes, and all he saw was my back. Oh my god, that's so funny! <laughs> hey, you know, so this is funny. That's you know, when, well, when you story, story, it's not regular, you talk but you could call Steve Ramos. Steve Ramos was the guy timing our buddy that yeah, trained oh that so we trained with. Yeah, this when I was in college, right? The, you know, I played some tennis. I dated a gal who was a tennis gal, number two on the team there. So I go over there, and, the, and those guys were like the tennis guys, were fast guys, right? And they you found a fat girl. They, they were team. they were literally say. See, you, you aren't, you're pretty quick, but you, I know I can outrun you. And I was like, okay, 60 bucks. 
you willing to bet me 60 bucks? Right? <laughs> They'd be like, absolutely. You know, I, I made so many $60 bets, it wasn't even funny. Right? Because I could run. Because yeah. I, I was, you know, 6'6", six, six, like you, right? Yeah. Big, tall, like yes. I'm not as fast as you, obviously, but but I could run. And they didn't, and they were, they were like, no way. And, and I, I can't tell you how many, many times I won $60. It was always a $60 bet. But yeah, I mean, that's what, so that I'm faster, stronger. They, 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 they suppressed our 40 times because remember there was Blesto and there was United and there was all the, those combines were all separate combines and they all were like, kept all their information private. They brought scouts to your, they brought scouts to your campus. Yeah, and kind of, exa- yeah. Yeah, can, yeah, exactly. Scouts came to the campuses and then you, you went to the combines. There were three different ones, Seattle, Detroit, uh, Indianapolis, and one in Tampa. Now they say that. And then if the teams liked you, they'd bring you to their right. private, private deal. Right, so you, you probably experienced some of that. No, no, never had any combines. You know, the interesting oh, thing interesting. was, yeah. So that came after. I, you yeah, know, the combines were after yeah. me. Yeah, even after yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, so that was my era. They then. came to our. They came to the campus and checked you out and had you run for them on campus. Okay. Well, we had, we even had an extended pro day because Jim Kelly had blown his shoulder out our senior year, right? And he was just getting back and he was now ready to, you know, do his thing. So they we had a whole we had a entire pro day at University of Miami, which helped me run one more time sure. for the pros, right? While they were out there, um, you know, watching Kelly go through the drills. Uh, so, okay. so if you look at, I'm going to suggest yeah. that people watch this podcast or listen to this podcast, uh, the Mark Cooper highlights and Mark Mulaney highlights, and you'll watch Mark, every single NFL player that I that I know that has seen Mark's highlight, I'm, I haven't done this with you. Um, and I know a few of them, the coaches. By the say, way, offensive linemen don't have highlight films. <laughs> well, I, didn't, I didn't even know I had one on there. No. Well, you know what? I've got a YouTube the, channel. They go to my YouTube yeah, channel. Yeah, I was going to say, because I've been and there's to your a, YouTube channel. Yeah, and on there, I, well, so you know, half of the guy was cutting all these clips, right? And he was sending them to me. Um, David Soto, I think his name was, on Facebook. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to see all these little these plays and yeah. this and that and the other. And I'm like, wow, that where that's coming from? And, the guy was literally going into the old film footage and he's clipping plays on all different guys across the, the Broncos time frame. And um, and so I was, you know, I started putting them up on YouTube just to have them so yeah, I could so, show my kids. So they can, so they, these, the people that are listening to this can go look at your highlight films. Go look at Mark's, Mark Mulaney highlights. Uh, you know, it'll come up in a, a Google search and you get a chance to see him play. Now, what we've done is we spent a lot of time talking about what was, okay? And we haven't spent any time on what is today. You guys are ex NFL players. Mark's a part of something called Legends of the Game. I think you are, you are as well. And uh, you know the things that I'm seeing that bother me a little bit are, um, you know, I the way things are going now. I just watched the Ram, the Rams, and the Chargers on Hard Knocks last night. Okay, and. Uh, they're seeing these guys saying, we have to do something, you know, today. We need to cancel practice. We need to do something today to show, you know, we're going to stop playing football. We're going to, we're not going to have the games or whatever. We're going to kneel during the national anthem. And I know that somebody will call and say that I'm saying this because I'm a racist, but is absolutely incorrect. In fact, I believe that stuff is racist. Honest to God, I do. And I want to see how you guys feel about this. Because none of it has worked out well from a collective perspective. They wanted everybody to join in and think that they're doing wonderful things. But it has not worked out with well for the NFL. Every time they walk away from their jobs, it makes people mad, and and they alienate themselves from a very large population of people. Not because they're racist, but because they're like, do your freaking job. And now you hear all these other things. It's not about doing your job. It's about doing you know all this stuff. You're looking at these guys that are getting paid twenty million dollars a year, fifteen million dollars a year. I coached a kid in high school that's made over one hundred and sixty million dollars a year. You know, and his family supports. It's awesome an awesome story but you know the best way to do these things uh, 
don't you guys think that when you guys played, you were kind of the, uh, you were kind of the, uh, the poster children for race relations back in the 70s and 80s? And didn't you guys? Mark, we, you know, well, I'm sure, I, I don't know how Mark's locker room was, but I was in two. Um, and we, you didn't, you don't see color in the locker room. You're there for a purpose. You're there to win football games. You're there to, to, for there not to be distractions from the outside in and the inside out. And you're there to do your job. And you're there to, I literally played in fear of my job. I, I was always in the off season. I was working my, my ass off because I was, I always thought somebody might be working harder than me that will, that will take my job. And the, the regret I'll have is that I missed those couple of days of workouts. And if I missed a workout, I'd often try to make it up somewhere, even if it was in the evening or the next week or the, I, I was just, I played in fear of losing my job. So it's, a, I think it's a whole different perspective or mind perspective, especially with the amount of money that's being thrown around today. Um, but I played in fear of my job. Well, you know, of losing, of losing the opportunity. Very close to college during when, you know, he was in high school when Martin Luther King was killed, and I was in middle school when Martin Luther King was killed. I just don't remember um, us not getting along on our football teams. No. Um, I don't remember no. any any social injustice for those players and the way we, we, we worked together. They were my best friends. I know Mark had a particular interesting conversation with me when we were up in Breckenridge this weekend. And he mentioned um, that he 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 had he had a, a dyslexia problem, trouble reading when he was in school, and um, he didn't know what the Civil War was because he couldn't study. Right, Mark? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I was I was basically uh, illiterate. You know, I hit it pretty good, but I wasn't the um, brightest bulb in the room ever. But my brother Ed could testify for me. I was halfway through my football career when I asked him, "Ed, I don't, I don't get it." I go, "You know, why? What, what's this black and white thing?" Um, and he goes, "Would well, you ever hear of the Civil War?" And I go, "No." <laughs> so I, I mean, you know, when I walked into uh, training camp at in Minnesota, you know, my roommate was black, you know, and I was white. I didn't go, oh boy. I mean, it, it was nothing to me. It was, hey, most Here's of my friends great. before I got there were were black. Yeah. And, well, some of your best friends yeah. were heroes of mine, like Kim yeah. Jones, who you played with at Colorado yep. State University. Kim played for the Saints and the Colts. And Kim we and I, trained together. You might have trained, might have, trained with Kim. Kim a couple times. Yeah. But, well, you, they called him yeah. Night Train up there. Yeah, exactly. About 6'5", 250 mark or something like that. Yeah, he's like big as me, and he was, he was actually faster than than I was, but I, I, I'm just, you know, we, we trained together and it never came to mind, you know, like in, in, you know, I never heard so much racism stuff as I have today. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I, like I nuts. Totally agree with you. As to me, you know, when they're calling whatever they call the systematic racism, whatever it is, I don't know. Yeah. What it's just, I don't even know what that is, but when they're pointing their finger at, you know, you, they got three fingers back at them. And they're the racist. You're not, because I don't even know what they're talking about half the time. And whenever I came into a huddle, man, all I knew is this. We're all in the same, we're one unit. I mean, I'm not looking at the God. Well, I promise you this. You, you, yeah. and me, we walk out there in this world as older white men. They don't see guys who played on football teams who were brothers in race with the other players. They see a couple of white old racists. Yeah, of course. And you know I don't know somebody I don't I'm not looking for pity there and I'm not looking for anybody to even have empathy with. It's just the fact that that's the way it is. Because that that's what they're gonna look at you and they might see your Super Bowl ring and they might start to inch away from the first impression they have about you. But they don't know your history. And the problem is, is that it makes it hard for society to come together when, through your own thoughts of racism and who you're judging as a racist every time you walk down the street. You're, you've got that division, okay, with, with racism. Now, 
in the police departments, okay? These, so a lot of these events have had the people who are, who are bad guys. A lot of these people have gotten shot, you know? People get shot every day, every color. For being bad guys, well, we don't have to replay what you said. You last can go. Week. No, and I'm not going to. Yeah, because they can go back and listen to what I talked but, about with my father. But Chicago, every weekend, what every week, sixty-five people shot, five or ten dead, and two of them were probably little kids. I mean, that's yes. a fact. Oh yeah. Okay, and a lot of these cities, that's happening every day. So why didn't the Chicago White Sox and all the Chicago teams stop playing? Well, because they wouldn't be able, they wouldn't be able to practice for a minute. That's correct. They, they couldn't. Right. They couldn't practice for a minute. And, and the things that Mark mentioned about when he when he played, he, he I'm going to tell you right now, every player on every player on that team loved Mark. Mark was a jokester. He was a fun fun guy. He had nicknames for every. You know, uh, there was a guy named uh, Roller. We called him Roller Balls. And then he ended up calling him Professor Balls, which was the costume guy from the Pink Panther. He had uh, Marshall. He called him the Sheriff, Jim Marshall. He was right. the Sheriff. Right. He had Studwell. He called him Lonigan. Studs Lonigan. He had nicknames for every... I'm not sure Tommy Hannon appreciated being called Thumbsucker, but that was his nickname, <laughs> and that and it stuck. Yeah. And Mark was always... And these guys loved Mark, okay? Like, my teammates never did. I mean, I I look I'd look at him and say, these guys love my brother, you know. And they would see me and go, I wonder if he's like his brother. And then they'd go, after about a day, they'd go, oh hell no, nothing like his brother. All right. So I'm going to go to the next topic. So this is it's 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 interesting because I think, and it sounds like you guys would agree, that they're kind of, you know, you, you know, what do they call? Fan in the flames. Fan in the flames. Yeah, they're fan in the flames. Yeah. Every time they do this, I mean, you know what? If you let people, if you give people a chance, they're gonna, they're, they're gonna be okay. Yeah. But you know what's gonna get rid of racism? And this is gonna transition to Mark here a little bit. You know that you don't have a good relationship with God. You just don't. God is gone from our schools. God is, God is gone from our society. And these guys that believe in God, that are in the NFL, NBA, or anybody else, they never turn it over to God. They turn it over to a riot, a protest. I'm not playing. I'm not doing this. Nobody ever sa says, if God, if we all turn our wills and our lives over to God, as we understand it, we're not going to be racist. And that's why I know I'm not a racist. Because I have a relationship with God, and I learned that from Him. Okay, He's been my spiritual mentor for 25 years, minimum. And it's going to go away. Racism will go away, but the way they're handling it is ass backwards. They think they can get rid of evil in this world. They think they can take evil out of human beings through riots and everything else. That's playing God, don't you think, Phil Mark? Well, yes, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, a complicated um, thing, but it's, you know, it's, it's so simple you can't comprehend it. Does that make sense? I mean, when you really come to know uh, Jesus Christ as the truth, the way, and the life, and he's the only guy that ever said it, and he's the only guy that I know that rose from the dead on his own and did it, and said it before he had it, and he had 500 witnesses to testify it, and four guys that wrote books about it. So, you know, it's um, it's a hard thing, but um, when you look at another person as a as God's creation and created in His image and likeness, how do you not respect that? Or I mean, that something as beautiful as that, and uh, as beautiful as life, and and then have um, somebody look at another human being a different way other than with compassion and love and uh, you know a lot of people say you know we're all god's children and i said no we're not we're all god's creation right you become his child when you know who his son is and um, to me that's the most important thing that ever happened to me in my life and that 
was given to me through my roommate, Robert Miller, who was uh, with the Vikings, who was, who was a black man. Yeah, and he was a fifth-round draft choice, and Vikings notoriously never – they cut the first-round draft choice. No one ever felt comfortable, just like you said. Could be, I mean, you're in fear of your job. Uh, I was just in fear of making the team, not – and finding a job, you know, and um, I'm looking at my roommate saying, you know, don't get to know him too good because it's going to be really hard when you see him leave, (laughs) you know, and and, watch me leave twice. Yeah, man. And that was, that was the hardest thing. The hardest thing was just watching him go through what I knew he was going to have to. And uh, that, that's really tough. And then when they leave, but you know, Robert was a was a interesting um, man. He lost both of his parents. He was a fifth round draft choice, not supposed to make the team out of Kansas, and um, he had a son, and he had I think eight or nine different siblings of which he was taken care of. So he's a married man. You know, I'm a single guy coming out of college, and um, you know, here's a guy that's reading his Bible day and night. He's on his knees praying first thing in the morning, last thing at night. And um, to me, I, I didn't get any of that, you know, And uh, but we, we were really close. And he would he would lay, you know, our little notes and say little things to me. And, right, right. and all I knew is after watching all the other guys playing how they're living their life and destroying their lives and, having all the ability in the world. They have more ability than me, but they would, like, use drugs or have sex and just work their way, I mean, just out yeah, of the league. Yeah, yeah. I saw Robert uh, up at, Greeley, at a Greeley West game when we were scouting the team when I was coaching Lutheran High School. I ran into Robert. His son was coaching Greeley West High School because uh, they, they moved out to Colorado. Robert is one of the kindest and most loving men you'll ever meet in your life. He always has been from the first day I met him when I was in college and then uh, all the way up to when I saw him up, up in Greeley. He hasn't changed a bit because, you know, he, he knows that, I mean, he's been conditioned to love his brother, you know, and to take care of his, his own soul first. And he's got a, a holistic soul that's, that's pure. Much unlike who, I might say. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> He's just a good, just a great yeah. guy. But look, this is what happens when you put God into the situation. You put, you know, and and and, and I don't, you know, when you just decide that you're the, a superstar, and I'm gonna, what I say matters. When I leave, and you know. LeBron James crowned himself king of the world, you know. I mean, I don't, you're not, you ain't my king, LeBron. Okay, I don't care how great athlete, football, basketball player you are. You ain't my king, okay. I've got a king in my life, and what you're saying is wrong, okay. You don't, you don't become violent against violent, uh, something that you consider violence because there's only one force in this universe that can heal it. Is that not true? Well, yeah, the the again, I think, like you said, the phantom of the flames is um, ridiculous, right? And it's it's kind of it's hard to watch. It's really hard to watch the way the media portrays it as well, um, and the one sidedness you see on some of this. And peaceful protesters, really? I don't think so. Not when they're that's blacked just, out, black. That's just a I mean, political, right? Exactly. It just. It just to me is they know it's not. They know it's not no. peaceful. They're just lying, right? Hoping somebody won't read the newspaper or watch a single show. Go ahead. Yeah. So um, this won't be solved quickly. Um, and 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 I think what illiteracy is also a um, brings a lot of that on. Not not really understanding people, right? Understanding God. Understanding. Um, the Ten Commandments, understanding. I think if you understand God, you don't, you don't end up with, uh, like, this Blake guy. God bless his soul. He got shot seven times. You know, I prayed for him. The guy had charges for sexual assault. I mean, this, is, this, was, an, this was an attempted rape 
that he has that he that that these cops were familiar with this guy. Yeah. He was a violent guy. And so they were afraid of him. You know, he went and got you know, you look at a guy like that. Do you think that guy spends a lot of time in church? No. Do you think that guy spends a lot of time with his soul? Or does that guy listen to uh, football players and guys who take knees and guys who stop playing because the black man is, are you not fueling that guy to have more confidence in front of a cop by saying, you have the right to protest even though even though you might be one sick bastard? Well, what that, happened to respect for authority? Exactly. Valid. Respect exactly. for authority. So... I don't get it. I don't understand because in our day, black, white, or anything, back when we played, don't you think the guys used to stand up and say, listen, respect authority? Yeah. No, because it, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble up to the, to the death if you don't. We have an entire society right now, an entire party, right, that is completely against anything that has to do with respect and authority. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely, and that's uh, that's everything, and um, it it it's who you bow down to. I mean, what you believe in, and um, you know, to me, the only thing that can bring you together is um, is love. That's it, you know, right. and um, that's what God is. God is love, and uh, God is a spirit, a spirit of love. And power and a sound mind. That's what he gave all of us. He didn't give us spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. And, uh, you know, the number one, there's there's numeric value in the Hebrew uh, lettering in, with a pictorial. And it's, you know, the numbers really don't lie. But in the Hebrew, the number one means unity. Number two is separation. And it's and so it's a, it's a different concept. But if I'm one with Christ, we're one, see, because he's in me, I'm in him. And he, he even uh, correlates it to marriage, how the two become one, and no man can tear that apart once you become one with that woman and one, one man. And so if you look at a huddle, it's a unity of one. A team is one. And, you know, the guy that's done it the best is Belichick. You don't have to like Absolutely. him. But, I mean, look at how many times he's been to the Super Bowl. He knows how to bring everybody together as one, okay? But, you know, bigotry, I, I had a gentleman, I'm trying to turn this back on here. I read this. He says, bigots, okay? And that's, and that's what they become because they're really lying to them. It's not true what they're saying. That's right. And so a bigot, regardless of color, have a common trait, and it's called ignorance, just like you said, Coop. It's ignorance, and it fuels their ego. Information is their enemy. They avoid it at all costs. Negative antidotes frame their worldview. Bigotry has subdued and, det and detained them. And they don't know how to tell the truth or find the truth. And they fuel on that ignorance. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it, it blows that's me a, away. That's, I, a, that's really well yeah. stated. Uh, yeah. Because I, don't, I really don't understand in my common sense brain, how they go there and do that stuff. It, it, I mean, just like respect yeah. authority. I just like your son. I uh, when a, a police officer pulls me over, I get a little adrenaline rush. I get a little thrill, man. I don't know why he's pulling me over. You know. Oh, yeah. by the way, you know, last time I got pulled I over, pull, I know why yeah. he's pulling me over. Speedy, pulled me yeah, over. Yeah. But I'm this speedy. time, he pulls me over. And he said, did you know your front headlight was out? So he pulled me over for a safety reason. Yeah. And he said, get your light changed. And I said, oh, geez, thanks, officer. You know, the time before that, I got pulled over for speeding. You know, and I remember when he, he, he asked me a few questions, I kind of reached to the back seat. He goes, don't do that. So, oh, you know, oh, yeah. sorry, officer. You know, just keep your hands on the steering wheel. I, I don't think they treat anyone different. I don't think he, you know, that, that, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm that is different. Anything, but, you know, I, I got pulled over by a cop and he said, your front headlights out. And he dragged me out. He said, show, showed me my front headlights. I said, it's not out. It's on. And then he took my head and bashed into the front headlights. And now it's out. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
sister office for mine. I'm out of the Caldwell Banker, Denver West. Um, and if, uh, you know, we won't take a whole lot of time here, but if you you need something in real estate, um, Coop's been doing it for 38 years, Coop? 28. 48? 28? 58? <laughs> yeah, something like that. 28 years in the Denver market. Uh, Coop, give me your email address and your phone number. Yeah, it's 303-843-1545. And uh, the email is afccoop63 at gmail.com. But I tell everybody, you know, the easiest way to find me is just Google my name, Mark Cooper Realtor. Mark Cooper Real Estate. I'm all over the web. You cannot not find me. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, I, you know, when, you're, when, you're, when you've been around this long, I mean, yeah. I, I'm licensed in Florida. I'm licensed in Colorado. I do a couple deals down there for buddies, investment properties, and some, some homes. And, but the you know 99.9% of my business is done right here. Um, I'll sell 50 houses a year, plus or minus, every year, and uh, I've been doing that for a long time. So um, it's been a great market. Um, interest rates are as low as they've ever been. Uh, inventory's thin, so um, things are you know really we're in a great market, but we're we're a great economy, and it's a good state. So as long as those things keep uh, a diverse state, as long as those uh, things stay in place, our real estate market should do really well. So, uh, my uh, email address, now that everybody's watching, is going to make things directly. I, I sell, I'll sell 50 houses maybe before I die. Probably not. Anyway, uh, it's coachmulls at gmail.com. M-U-L-L-S. First four letters is my name, Mulls. That's my son's name, Coach Mulls. I have to explain that. Uh, yes, right there. Go ahead. Oops. Right there. Coachmalls.gmail.com. Uh, phone number is 720-722-1559. Love to hear from you. If you want to talk about the show, talk about anything we've said, you've got the phone numbers, you've got the email addresses, and you can uh, and we can reach, reach you. Mark, thanks a lot uh, for being on the show. Yeah, I'd love to dove into a lot more. We, we have to do this more often because yeah, it'd be fun. A wealth of knowledge, and it'd be fun to hear. Um, you know, kind of like year prior to my entry in the league and a lot of things changed then. And, you know, talking to you is like talking to Gary Dunn, a good buddy of mine uh, who played for Pittsburgh, who on the defensive side of the ball, so you wouldn't have played against him, but you, I'm sure you know Sure, him. absolutely, yeah. And, um, but I, I just remember, uh, um, you know, <laughs> and Minnesota was one of those, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, the Raiders, Houston, you know, Always those teams, yeah, the toughest teams in the league. Um, and you, when you went to battle, and you know you went to battle with those guys. Yeah, and the Rams were up there too. Rams, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, right, we'll, right, have, uh, right. we'll have Mark uh, back on the podcast sometimes. We will, uh, starting next week, be able to call into the show, so we'll be able to guest call the show. Mark will be back in Minnesota, so we can have him join us by, <clears throat> by giving us a call from Minneapolis. But for now, we got to close it up. I gotta, get, I gotta get Mark to the airport. He's playing music about an hour or so, two hours. Yeah. Yep. Uh, thanks. Always fun. All right. Thank you, brother. We're out. <laughs> thanks. <laughs>